Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name's John. I am the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. A lot of you here on vacation and you came to church on a Sunday. Very impressed. That is brownie points, okay? I'm really, really impressed. Um, We are, you came on a good day. We are wrapping up this series called Heal. And if you haven't been here before, it doesn't matter. The weeks don't build on themselves, so it's not going to be a problem. Let me just explain to you what we've been doing to kind of catch you up to speed. So it is my opinion that everybody, by and large, comes to church because they are looking for healing in some particular aspect or area of their life. And so what we've been doing over the course of the last couple of weeks is that we've been just taking a look at some things that I believe that we as a church particularly may struggle with, finding out what the scripture has to say about it and how we can begin to experience healing in those areas. So to catch up, we've been talking about the body and relationships, and the mind, and contentment. And generally speaking, I will spend a slide or two talking about all these, but it's starting to get kind of long, and it's starting to feel like the 12 days of Christmas, and quite frankly, I can't remember everything I'm supposed to say. So here's the list. If you feel like you could use some healing in any of these areas, maybe you need healing of the body, maybe there's some marriage stuff you're going through, maybe it's just a lot of negative thinking going on, or you've got some contentment issues, or maybe you're always chasing after more, and you're never exactly happy, I would encourage you to go to our website, soflowchurch.com, find us on iTunes, go on Facebook, wherever you go to listen, go back, and maybe you can find something helpful in these messages that can speak into your life. So I wanted to end this series by talking about our past, because I believe that, I believe our past is a profoundly personal aspect of our life. Uh, Whether we like our past or not, it has made us to some degree who we are today. And I think our past is just very, it's deep, it's personal, and for a lot of us, it's filled with raw emotion. That maybe you're a Christian, and by the way, if you're not a Christian in the room, welcome. I'm going to be talking a lot to Christians today. But I find that for a lot of Christians, when it comes to their past, it still feels very much like an open wound. That even though they've said yes to Jesus and they believe they're forgiven, it just, it seems like their, their, their past is just this open wound that's following them wherever they go, that they can't seem to escape it no matter what they're trying to do. And the truth is, it, it seems like our past holds way too much power over our present. And, and that our past is really preventing us from kind of moving into the future. And I've prayed about this message more than honestly, more than any other message we've probably done here. And I would normally say my goal for the day, but my prayer for the day is that if you are a person who is struggling with your past, that perhaps today you may be able to close the past. You may be able to close that chapter. You may be able to shut that door and begin to live life and look towards the future. So when we're talking about our past, specifically in the context of Christianity or in the context of a church, what we're talking about generally is life before Jesus. This time in our life when we didn't know Jesus as God or didn't know Jesus as our Savior, or maybe it was a time in our life that we just weren't living for God necessarily. It's sort of the old me, we'll we'll kind of describe it. That's the old me, that's the old me. And a lot of churches will help people craft what they'll call their testimony, sort of the story of their life. It's sort of who I was before I knew Jesus, when I met Jesus, and who I am after I met Jesus. And these are helpful for a number of reasons because, one, I think it does bring glory to God 
letting people know what he's done in your life. And two, I think it's helpful as a tool to let others know that life doesn't always have to be that way. That I used to be this way, and I said yes to Jesus, and now I'm a new person. And um, I like to hear people's testimonies. I find them to be encouraging. But there are some people's testimonies that I do find kind of funny. I don't know if you've heard these before, but a lot of times you'll meet somebody, and they'll go, well, you know what? I've been a Christian now for, for 30 years. Yeah, maybe 20, 25, 30 years. And gosh, the old life, I used to be, uh, I was in a rock band. And, uh, and, you know, kind of they're wistfully thinking about the old days now. And they're kind of like, yeah, I used to travel the world on a private jet. <sighs> Fast cars, faster women, you know. And it was, man, a party with celebrities, vacation with presidents. And then I met Jesus. And, uh, you know, now I, now I go to a Bible study on a Friday night in the basement of a VFW. And uh, Saturday nights I eat turkey sandwiches with my wife and we do Bible trivia. And you're just like, wow, where do I sign up for that? That sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> Really sounds like life is really a lot better after Jesus came into your life. Probably you've heard these before. But oftentimes we'll hear people's testimonies, we'll hear them talking about their past, and I think often we begin to compare our sins. We sort of say, well, here's my past, and here's my sins, and how does this stack up to somebody else's past and somebody else's sins? And maybe we'll do it publicly, we'll compare, but I think a lot of times we kind of do it in our hearts. And what's interesting is that when you hear people begin to compare sins, sometimes you will find people begin to sort of brag about the old me. A lot of times it's guys, okay? I understand guys will be guys, all that kind of a thing. But a lot of times they'll start bragging about the way things used to be. And it's sort of like, oh, I am so much worse. You think that's bad? Wait to hear this one, okay? And they kind of go back and forth talking about old war stories about how they used to be. And... I find that a little troubling because there's a reason you left that behind. And to begin starting to almost brag about the old way, I'm just not sure that's helpful for anybody. So I find this a little bit troubling. But what breaks my heart is when I hear somebody say, rather than I'm so much worse than you, when I hear them say, I'm so much worse than you. That when they look at their life, even after they've said yes to Jesus, that they are just so unbelievably disturbed by their old life, by what they've done. That they believe that what they've done is, is, is so much worse than what anybody else has done, that they almost believe that God might never truly forgive them fully for the things that they've done. That in some karma-like way, that they're being punished in the here and the now for those things that they did that were so terrible. That in some way that their sins were so much worse than anybody else's sins. That's you in this room. And I I don't know if you're in this room, I don't know if you're watching online, but if you're somebody who when you look at your past, when you begin to stack up the things that you did versus anybody else, I I just want to let you know that there is no hierarchy of sin. Let me say that again because I just want to set the record straight. There is no hierarchy of sin. That outside of Jesus, before you said yes to Jesus, life without Jesus, there is no difference between telling telling a little white lie and murdering somebody. All that stuff keeps you equally apart from God. Now, that might be hard to believe. 
Because number one, as Americans, we think about our penal system. We think, well, you know, there's murder one, two, and three. One is worse than the other. There are varying degrees of punishment. And we start to equate that to the Bible. Or maybe you've grown up in a church that kind of put premiums on some sins. That's the real bad one over there. And generally, it's the very public ones, or it's the one you can hold a picket sign against. It's never the sin that I have. It's always the other person's sins. That's the bad one. Or maybe you went to more of an institutional church that had categories of sin. You got this category, it's bad. But then you got this category, oh, this is the real bad one. You're in this one, now you got some trouble. According to Scripture, there's only two categories of sin, unforgiven and forgiven. That's it. Why is it important to understand this? Why spend so much time talking about the fact that there's, there's no hierarchy of sin outside of Jesus? Because it levels the playing field. It helps you realize that everyone is equally guilty. That, that no one has the right, not even you, to point at yourself and say, your sin is way worse than anybody else's sin. No one's got the right to do that. Not even you. Paul says this. He goes, for everybody, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. He goes, guys, every single person in the entire world, every single person in the entire world needs forgiveness. Every single person in the entire world has sin and needs the forgiveness that is offered in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing about that forgiveness. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ is perfect and absolute and it covers all. Whatever you've done, Whatever you're doing, his sin, your sin, has been paid for. When you say yes to Jesus, it says that he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. In Isaiah, we read that God says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. I was just thinking this week, you know, if Jesus died for our sins and his forgiveness is perfect and complete and absolute, if that's true, and I believe it is, and if when you say yes to Jesus, your sins are removed from you as far as the east is from the west, if that's true, and I believe it is, and if it's true that when you say yes to Jesus, God never, ever thinks about your sin again, if that's true, then why are so many Christians, prisoners, of their own past? Why are so many Christians living this secret life of shame? That when we're called to live a victorious life, so many Christians are living a defeated life. What's going on? I believe it's the enemy. I believe it's Satan. In the fall, we did a whole series called The More You Know, and one Sunday we spent an entire day talking about Satan and who he is and what he's looking to do on this earth. And I believe that Satan's chief pursuit on this earth is to destroy the work of God at any cost, to try to stop it, to try to destroy it. And I will tell you this, I believe that God's finest work here on this earth is your forgiveness and your new life. And the fact that you've been forgiven when you say yes to Jesus drives Satan crazy. The fact that you are now a child of God drives Satan crazy. 
And he knows there's nothing he can do to impact your salvation, but he knows that if he works hard enough, he can remove the joy of your salvation. So what's his goal? His goal is to make your past your present identity. If he can somehow make you live in the past, he wins. How does he do it? He fills your head with shame. He fills your head with guilt, depression, anger, worry that that someone's going to find out about something that you've done. If he can keep you living in the past, even though you've been forgiven of your past, if he can keep you living there, he can take you out of the game. Because if you said yes to Jesus, but you don't really feel forgiven, you're not really going to tell people about Jesus. You're not really going to make a difference in this world because you are so caught up in the shame of your past. So how do we heal those wounds? How do we put the past behind us? Because if you've said yes to Jesus, your past has been forgiven. How do you start living like that? You've got to do a couple of things. Number one, you need to accept what cannot be changed. You have to accept what cannot be changed, namely your past. There's nothing that we can do as humans to go back into the past and change things. As much as we would like, we can't. That chapter is closed. It is gone. We can't do anything about it. So the healthiest thing that we can do as humans is to own up to our own past. Just just own up to it. Because when you take ownership of your past, what it does is it removes its ownership of your present. So many of us feel like our past is following us. We go to certain places, we know what we did there. We see certain people from the past, it brings these memories back, and it just seems like we can't get away from it. Because generally speaking, our past is public knowledge. Now, there are some things that we've done in our past that nobody knows about, just us. But by and large, our past is public knowledge. People who we know and we associate with and we love know the old us. And it's kind of hard to move away when people are always perhaps pointing at the old you. There's a guy named Paul who we talk about at this church almost every single week. Paul knows about the old you more than anybody else. Paul is a famous Christian. But before he was a Christian, he was famous. Rather, should I say, he was notorious for doing whatever he could to stop Christianity. He persecuted Christians. He threw them in jail. He tortured them. And he murdered them. And then one day he was on a journey going to a town named Damascus. And he ran into and had experience with the resurrected Jesus Christ. And in that moment, it became clear that Jesus was real. That Jesus was who he says that he was. Namely, the Son of God. And in that moment... Paul turned his life over to Jesus. Jesus forgave him of his sins. The sins were removed from Paul's life, separated as far as the east is from the west. And in that moment, he became a Christian. And he wanted to begin living a Christian life. And so we read that when Paul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the other followers. He tried to join up with the Christians. He tried to join up with the disciples. But they were afraid of him. They did not believe he was a true follower of Jesus. Imagine how painful this was for Paul. 
that Paul himself had reached out to Jesus, that Jesus had forgiven him of all of his sins. He was a new person in God. He was a new creation. And yet when he's running into the own disciples, they looked at him and said, no, you're not new. You're a liar. You're a torturer. You're a persecutor. And I've got to imagine that perhaps many of us in this room have had a very similar experience. That you kind of run into an old friend, an old coworker, an old, and they find out you're going to church now. They find out you're a Christian now, and they go, oh, you're a Christian now. Now I've seen everything. No, she who does this, the guy who did this, now you're a Christian. Now I've seen it all. And it's kind of like, it's disturbing because you kind of say, well, you saying I can't make a difference in my life? You're saying that God can't come into my life and make a difference? No, no, no. No, no, no. This was Paul's life. For the rest of Paul's life, when he would travel around to various churches, he would run into people who he had persecuted, families that he had killed, sons who he had thrown into prison. This was his life. Everywhere he went, his past followed him. He didn't ignore it. He didn't pretend that he was innocent. He just owned up to it. And he said, you know what? That is my past. Yeah. That is who I was. But that's not me now. That's not me now. And if we are somebody who we feel like our past is always following us, maybe we have to take Paul's advice. Maybe we have to say, you know what? That is my part in my past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what I've done. That was the old me, but that's not me now. See, Paul understood that unless you make peace with your past, you can't have peace in the present. If you want to have peace in the present, you have to own your part of the past. You do this, the healing will begin. Secondly, you have to understand that God can change your future. No matter what happened in your past, no matter what you did, no matter what was done to you, God can change your future. And here's the thing about your future. Your future doesn't change your past. It trumps it. Your future can absolutely blow your past out of the water. The Bible makes a promise to anybody who says yes to Jesus. It says this, For if a man belongs to Christ. He is a new person. The old life is gone. New life has begun. And I love the fact that it says has begun. It's, it's just started. So if you're a Christian who's allowed your past to drag far more into your present than you would like, if you feel like you've just wasted, lot, wasted years, today you can release it and new life has just begun. See, what Paul is painting a picture of here is that when you say yes to Jesus, you're given a new identity. With your new life, you are given a new identity in Christ. But so many times, so many times when I hear people talking about their new identity, they describe themselves as this. They say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Who am I? Just a sinner saved by grace. Can I be honest with you about this statement? don't like it. I think factually it's correct. I think theologically it is correct, sure. You're a sinner, yeah. And yes, you were saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, but 
I think while this sounds humble, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. It sounds humble. I don't think it's helpful, though. Because I think what it's doing is that it is identifying you as who you used to be. You're just a sinner. But Jesus came to this world and died on that cross for you to be more than just anything. He came to this world, he died on that cross to set you free from your sins, to redeem you from your sins, not just so you're just any old sinner saved by grace. He says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's speaking about us. He came to this world. He took on flesh. He lived for 33 years, teaching, walking. He was persecuted, spat on. He died on that cross so that we could be set free from our sins, our brokenness, and our past. He came so that we could live and live life to the fullest, live life abundantly, not just being some sinner saved by grace. You see, so many of us, when we look at our past and we kind of just look at that mess and, and we kind of view it almost like wasted years. Let me tell you something. God can transform your past into a blessing. I believe he can supernaturally reach into your past and redeem that mess. Redeem those mistakes. As Christians, there's one verse that we almost go to all the time. And generally speaking, when we're going through a rough time in life, an unexpected patch, when maybe we lost our job, maybe it's an uncertain medical diagnosis, every single one of us, by and large, reaches for Romans 8.28. And it says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. When we don't understand what's going on in life, when it's painful, when it's scary, we know that we have a promise from God that he is going to work this all out presently for good. What a relief that is to know. But as I was thinking about our past, and this verse came to my mind, I think if we only apply this verse to our present, I feel like we're limiting the power of God. Because it says that, and we know that all things work together. What does all things mean? All things means all things. What, what I think it's saying here is that God uses all your life experiences, positive and painful, past and present, to shape you for his unique calling on your life. That no matter what your past was, no matter what you did, no matter how big you screwed up in your own mind, no matter how painful that was, I believe that God can supernaturally reach into your past and redeem that past. And I believe he can make the most painful time of your life perhaps your strongest quality, your strongest characteristic. I believe that he can supernaturally reach into your past and give you purpose because of your past. Let me ask you a question. Will you use the grace of God for good? Meaning, will you decide to make a difference in this world because of your past, in spite of your past? Imagine yourself now 
having been forgiven of your past, looking back at those mistakes. Imagine being able to pour into someone else's life who's about to go down that road you went down. And you could just say, listen, brother, I made that mistake. There's a better way to go. I mean, can you make a difference in this world because of the things that you did, in spite of the things that you did, or will you let your past take you out of the game? Will you be able to help somebody going through what you went through, or will you be so handicapped by what happened to you that you just say, I can't, I can't, I can't. Paul said something amazing. He said, but God's grace has made me what I am. Today, God's grace has made me what I am. And his grace to me was not wasted. I think Paul in this moment is talking to anybody who, who, who just can't get beyond their past. And he goes, all right, let's, let's have a conversation real quick. If there's anybody in this world who should feel despair about what they've done, it's me. I single-handedly tried to stop God on this earth. And yet because of Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross, I am who I am today. I am a new man. I am a new creation. And I am not going to waste that grace. I'm not going to waste the grace of Jesus. I'm not going to waste the new life he gave me grieving over a past that has already been redeemed and forgiven. No, no, no. I'm going to use my story for good. I'm going to use my story to make a difference in this world. He goes, if you're somebody who's struggling with your past, he goes, here's what I do. Here's how I handle it. He goes, I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul owned up to his past. He didn't ignore it. He didn't pretend like it didn't happen. He didn't avoid it. He goes, that was me. That was who I was. That's not me now. He owned up to his past, and he left it there. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to waste the gift of grace on that past any longer. I'm going to focus and embrace the future. And because he did that, God used him in a mighty and powerful way. Paul, the murderer, the persecutor, he went on to start churches all over the Mediterranean. All over the Mediterranean. He went on to write over half of the New Testament. And I believe, I'll just boldly say, I think we are here today because of Paul. I think every single one of us at some level, is here because of Paul. A man who allowed God to heal his past, to make him a new creation so that he could have a bright future. And I was just thinking about so many of us who've already said to you know, yes to Jesus and who were just so pulled down by the past. What if, what if, what if we fully embraced the forgiveness we've already been given. What could we do in this world? What difference could we make in this world by embracing the forgiveness that's been offered to us? 
Let's not allow God's grace to be in vain. Let's live life to its fullest. Let's take Paul's advice. Let's forget the past. Let's move forward. Let's make a difference. What's the practical? If it's your first time here at DHC, every single week we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you guys can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So in the beginning I told you I was speaking to Christians. Let me just say something. If you're a person in the room who's not a Christian, if you're somebody watching online who's not a Christian, or if you're listening on iTunes in the future, and you're not a Christian, and yet something today spoke into your heart, that maybe you are struggling with your past, that you just, there's voids, there's pain, that you're exhausted, that you just feel like you're carrying this anchor with you. And you hear these words that Paul is saying, and you just say, I, I need that in my life. I would encourage you today to say yes to Jesus. And you may not understand what that means, but it may be in some way you're just saying, I, I don't fully understand Jesus. But I've heard that you say that he is the Son of God. I've heard that you said he died on the cross for our sins, and I don't fully understand that, but I, I need that in my life. I would encourage you today to put your life into Jesus' hands. He can change your life. He can redeem your past. He can give you a new identity. He can set you free from all the things that you've done and perhaps all the things that have been done to you, and he can give you a bright future. If you want to learn more about what that means, come find me. Come find anybody who's got a DHC shirt on, and we can talk to you about what that looks like further. If you're a Christian in the room and you just feel like you can't shake that past, this week I want to remind you that you are not your sin. Your past isn't who you are. You're a child of God. You are forgiven. You are forgivable. You are changeable. And you are capable of great things. And I would challenge you to allow yourself to experience forgiveness. I think so many of us think that the forgiveness of saying yes to Jesus, that for the forgiveness that he offers is just some ticket into heaven, and that's it. But when you say yes to Jesus, you have to understand that it's so much more than that. It's life, here and now. It's heaven, here and now. It's time that we let go of the past and we start living life. Don't let your past dictate your future. Who you were is not who you can be. And because of God, because of his love, because of the death of Jesus, your future is limitless. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come here today. Lord, for so many of us, our past is profoundly painful. And maybe people told us we weren't good enough. 
Maybe churches have led us to believe that what we've done is so much more heinous than what someone else has done. I pray that today every single person in this room can feel the love of Jesus Christ. That every single person in this room, that even if it's the most basic level, can today say yes to Jesus. And understand that he died on that cross for us. That he set us free from our past. That he set us free from our sins. And that he has given us a new life. And a new identity. And that no matter what we've said to ourselves, no matter what anybody else has said to us, Lord, we are a child of God because of what happened on that cross 2,000 years ago. I pray that today every single person in this room would experience the healing powers of Jesus Christ. We ask all of this in your name.